0: Welcome to the Crosslands Church Podcast. Our mission, to help you experience the life with God you've been missing. And now, a message for you. As you see from the opening video, we are back into our Hebrews uh, message series, talking about what this New Testament book is all about, what it has to say to us today. And my message today is entitled, Inoculated. There's a lot of controversy these days um, about COVID-19 vaccines. And today I want to talk about uh, not that. I want to talk about something that actually has, it's a longer lasting problem, it's more controversial, and the stakes are much, much higher. So let's backtrack a little bit. We're in Hebrews. Why are we doing this? Um, as followers of Jesus, we are a community that's centered around the person of, of Jesus, the Messiah. And... Uh, Scripture is very important to us because it not only tells us about who Jesus is, what he did and what he does, but God still speaks to us today through it as he did back then. And so Hebrews is, somebody once told me that the book of Hebrews is, is the highest example in the New Testament that, of talking about who Jesus is. The, the, the technical word for it is Christology, the study of the Messiah. And, and Hebrews has the highest Christology. And so that's why we're going through this. And, and we're not, you know, we could go through verse by verse and take three years. We're not doing that. and doing it in sort of three chunks. This is the middle chunk. So we're in sort of the middle section of the book. And um, when I got to the middle section, I was, I was reading through it and, and planning out and plotting out the, the message series. I thought, oh, I, I don't really want to talk about this part. It's, it's a tough section. And I thought, well, maybe people in Crossroads Church... Either have read it, are reading it, will read it, and they'll come across this part and they'll go, I don't know what to make of this. So if we don't talk about it here, then where? So we're going to talk about this really, really difficult passage in the book of Hebrews and, um, and see what God is saying to us through this. Uh, if to, to give us context, if you remember back, if you don't, then I'll give you context. So this is a letter that is—it's almost like a written-down sermon that would have been given to an early Christian synagogue. So it would have been a, a synagogue was a place of Jewish worship. Um, there, there were there would have been. the the earliest churches would have been modeled after the synagogue, which is very different from what we do here. What we do here is sort of modeled more after a Greek culture, sort of the academy setting. You you can imagine Socrates or Plato talking to a a group of people. There'd be interaction, sure, but not like the interaction in a synagogue where it would be arranged in a circle and, and people would engage with Scripture and and they would be they would have a a message calendar sermon calendar kind of like which scriptures They would talk about and we talked about this in the first couple of messages in the series Uh, Some of our more traditional Christian um, Traditions do that we tend not to do it in our tradition but they would have this the scripture calendar and and scholars have have looked back into the book of Hebrews and said okay This is where they would have been on the calendar and this message was so profound It was so good that somebody wrote it down and mailed it out to everybody and that's why we still have it today, this, this sermon on paper. And the context was the, um, the, the people in this, this assembly, in this community of followers of Jesus, were, were starting to wear down because of circumstances. I don't know if you know what that's like. They were wearing down, uh, experiencing persecutions, uh, experiencing uh, minimization, uh, experiencing abuse from the surrounding culture as followers of Jesus. And so part of the intent of the message is, is kind of like, not really man up, but you have reason to be encouraged and keep going as followers of Jesus. So that's, that's the overall context of the message. And we get to the middle section. We get to Hebrews 6. And Mariah read a passage to open the this, this, this service this morning. Uh, talks about how it was kind of this weird, like, God puts rain on the field so it can produce fruit. In that context, we are the field. We can be fruitful in our lives because of what God gives us. And it's, it's right around that passage where it says this, Hebrews 6, 4-6, very difficult passage, says this, It is impossible to bring back to repentance those who were once enlightened, those who have experienced the good things of heaven and shared in the Holy Spirit, who have tasted the goodness of the Word of God and the power of the age to come, who then turn away from God. It is impossible to bring such people back to repentance. By rejecting the Son of God, they themselves are nailing Him to the cross once again and holding Him up to public shame. It's a tough passage. You ever known somebody who was part of a community of followers of Jesus? They seem to be a follower of Jesus and they walk away. And you read a passage like this and go, I guess they're screwed. Have you ever had your own experience? You go, I I think I've done things that maybe disqualified me. Am I screwed? It's a tough passage. And so there's a few interpretations. I'm going to go through them. We're not going to get real heavy into this because it's not a university lecture, but just enough so you understand what it could mean or what people think it means. So the first interpretation says, well, this would never actually happen. It's a hypothetical situation. So the idea is that once you're a follower of Jesus, you can never stop being a follower of Jesus because once you're in God's family, he doesn't disown you. You cannot turn away from God. So they would say that this passage here is almost like put it in brackets. It's, it's talking about a hypothetical situation that, that would never happen, which kind of begs the question. I have a real hard time with that interpretation because you go, then why is it in there? Why would, why would the author of Hebrews go to such detail to outline a situation that is impossible? And I, and I think the reason why People hold to that interpretation is because they have a a framework, a scheme of theology of belief in God that this doesn't really fit into, so we kind of like put it to the side. That's the first interpretation. The second one says this. If somebody falls away from God, um, then they never really were a follower of Jesus. They can't be, because once God has you, he doesn't let you go. They were never really Christians. The problem is, it, it, when you look at the passage, it's, it's hard to imagine somebody who's not a follower of Jesus that experiences this. They've experienced the good things of heaven. That's what it says. They've experienced the good things of heaven and scholars would make a list of what that might mean. It's salvation, relationship with God. These are the good things of heaven. The good things of, God, of heaven is not something apart from God. They, they have shared in the Holy Spirit. They've shared in the Holy Spirit. That that implies some kind of experience, both the the, the family identity. When you're a follower of Jesus, God plants his spirit in you that identifies you as his child. They've shared in that. Even um, you can go beyond that to say maybe they've experienced the gifts and and the the powers of the spirit, right? You you see in some of Paul's letters that there's there's all these experiences of, of, of power for ministry, things that go beyond normal human capability. This seems to imply that they've experienced that kind of thing says that they've tasted the goodness of the Word of God. They've tasted the goodness of the Word of God. Under, that speaks to me of hearing what God is saying, hearing His voice. Um, some scholars, and probably more tradition, traditional ones, would say they, they've experienced the, the communion, the, 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 what they used to call a love feast, that they would, they would uh, celebrate and honor Jesus' death and resurrection through, we practice communion with the cracker and the grape juice. And it seems to me it might go beyond that because tasting the goodness of the Word of God seems to imply they're actually hearing God's voice. And then finally, tasted the power of the age to come. This sort of implies the dramatic, the miracles. So you can imagine, it, it's hard to imagine somebody who's not a follower of Jesus, who seems to be experiencing all of these things, but you say, well, they're not really a follower of Jesus. But To me, that, then who, how would you know about anybody? Maybe you have doubts about yourself. And I know we have a, we've had a lot of people at Cross and Church go, I'm not sure I'm really in. Well, yeah, but you've experienced all this stuff. Yeah, but I struggle sometimes. Yes. But this says that if I turn my back on him, it's impossible for me to come back to repentance if that's the case. It's a tough passage. It seems to me there's not some kind of fake enlightenment, some sort of like, you think you're a Christian, but you're not. That's why people struggle with it. And then there's another, there's another extreme interpretation. This is the third one. It says this. You're a follower of Jesus, and you do something that you know you shouldn't do, intentionally or unintentionally, and now you're disqualified. Because now you turned your back on Jesus, and you've crucified him all over again, subjecting him to public shame. That's a tough interpretation too. Because I don't know anybody that hasn't struggled sinned, done something wrong as a follower of Jesus. I've told my story before at CrossFit Church. I had an experience uh, where I had seen people pray a prayer to follow Jesus, and I did that by myself in my bedroom at the age of five, which means that all the worst things I've ever done in my life I did as a Christian, because there's not much you can do before the age of five, really. All the worst things I've done in my life, I've done as a follower of Jesus, and if I read this passage, I go, does that mean I'm, I have subjected Jesus to shame all over again? I've crucified him. It's a tough passage. Now, you have to hold this passage in the context of the whole book of Hebrews and in the rest of Scripture to understand what it really means. So I'm, I'm going to give you a little bit of relief from this challenge, okay? The relief comes in Hebrews 6 9, says this, dear friends, even though we're talking this way, we don't. We really don't believe it applies to you. We are confident that you are meant for better things—things things that come with salvation. You're like a field that God puts His rain on, and it produces fruit. This is you. So when when the, this, this this sermon is being preached in a synagogue context, when the letter is being sent out to all these communities of followers of Jesus, and this situation is identified, he's saying, "But I'm not talking about you." Okay, that should give you some relief, some confidence. You should be, well, maybe you are smiling under your mask. It's, it's really hard to tell. And I can't tell if people at home are smiling either. See, okay, so I did a, a, a little bit of a search, some study on this. And in the original language in, in, in that passage says, it's impossible to bring such people back to repentance. The word for impossible there is actually the Greek word that means incapable. And I believe here's how we are to read it we are incapable of bringing somebody like that back to repentance. We are incapable of bringing somebody like that back to repentance. So it's translated impossible, I think it might be a mistranslation. It's not impossible for them to turn back to Jesus. It's not impossible for Jesus to draw them back to him, because I know of cases where that's happening. It's it becomes impossible for us. We can't, but God can. Okay, so so what do we do to this? How, what does it matter? 21st century, middle of a pandemic, um, controversy and all that other stuff. Um, I've told this story before and you probably haven't heard it or you don't remember it. If you do, count the ceiling tiles or something. I worked at a gas station and uh, some years ago, I think I was in Bible college at the time, and there was a, there was a girl that I was working with and she mentioned, I, I mentioned that I was in Bible college, you know, I'm a Christian follower of Jesus, whatever. I don't remember all the things I said. She said, yeah, I went to a camp and had a conversion experience once. Now, this girl was not at all in any way a follower of Jesus. But her mentality was, yeah, I've been there. I've done that. Kind of like, I'm happy for you that you're going to Bible college. I've had that experience in my past. That's where the danger is. That somebody is, ha, has identified as a follower of Jesus, and now they say, but now I've moved on, for that. Moved on from that. Hey, do you know anybody that's had a, a minimal experience? They've attended church for a while. We had somebody attending church here. They, I know they experienced God. I, I, I heard her stories, and, and, and she sort of drifted away after a while, and somebody from the church bumped into her and said, hey, I haven't seen you for a while, she says, yeah, I'm not feeling it anymore. Those are her words, I'm not feeling it anymore. And so what happens is you have this experience with God, a legitimate experience, and it goes to here. And the danger is that that inoculates you from the fullness of understanding Jesus and experiencing Jesus. I've been there, done that mentality. I believe this happens to people. It can happen to people on an individual level. It can happen to an entire church. Yeah, we've done that. We just meet Sundays, hear the sermon. Are you pursuing God? Are you passionate about Jesus? Is, Is Jesus living in you? I've done that. I think it can also happen to an entire culture. We are, in Canada, a post-Christian culture. I don't believe that there's any such thing as a Christian nation. One day there will be. But we have a, a been there, done that mentality when it comes to Christianity, the experience of Jesus. And that inoculates you against the fullness of life with God. Been there, done that. So this passage that we talked about, it, it create, it's created anxiety in people. It, it creates anxiety because you go, well, I'm not, I'm not sure I'm all in. I'm not sure that I might one day do something that would disqualify me. Maybe I already have done something that would disqualify me. And so I'm telling you today, you can be confident that you are part of God's family when you trust in Him, when you give, when, that you have that life reorienting trust that defines you. You can be confident, but it's easy for confidence to become complacency. And it's easy to just slide away, been there, done that. And so the result is you, you, you stagnate, and this is what the warning is, right? I'm confident this is not about you, but people do slide away because they have a been there, done that mentality. So here we have a congregation of people, assembly of people, They're, they're struggling to keep going under persecution, and the warning is that you can slide away, and then it's impossible, we become incapable of bringing somebody else back in. We become incapable of bringing somebody else back in. So what do we do with that? When it comes to other people, you know somebody, they've had an experience with God, and you know there's a tendency to to be very zealous in the pursuit of somebody so like if, I don't know if you've ever had that experience, um, I had a conversation with somebody in the church. Uh, a young adult, Ethan, and um, he made the mistake of telling me that, that he preferred DC comics over Marvel com- comics, which is just wrong, you know. Marvel is better than DC. And so, you know, I have the opportunity every time I see him to, tr- to bring up the conversation about which one is better and hound him about that, and at a certain point he's gonna go, I don't want to talk about that anymore. Like, just leave me alone. Leave me to my opinion. I am miss comic books, it doesn't matter, but you know what, you talk about politics. You ever, you ever get you know conservatives and liberals in a room together and then the, the conversation goes in, and it's always about that and to the point where you go, I don't, I don't want to be part of that gathering anymore because they just hound me about it. Even worse than that is, I know people that are, that are fans of the New York Yankees. Right? I mean, I don't want to say more about that because I don't want to alienate Nicole Brickell. Um but, but I've seen it happen when somebody is, is a follower of Jesus and... The people they know are hounding them about it. And at a certain point, the person says, I don't really want to hang around you anymore because you're always reminding me of what I'm doing wrong in my life. Anybody like hanging around somebody who's always reminding you of what you do wrong in your life? Yeah, it's really enjoyable. And so we, we can't, we don't just let people go, well, they don't matter anymore. We don't break off relationship. But if if we are incapable of bringing them back, but God is, what do we do about that? We pray for that person. There's two ways to pray, two positive ways to pray. One, you pray that, that God will bring them back. You can also pray for the right opportunity to say the right thing at the right time instead of trying to manufacture an opportunity every time. God, what is your timing? I've known people in my my own life that you see them tragically seem to slip away from God. And I've I've had God speak to me and say, don't worry, I've got this. And every once in a while, I'll remind God, what about that person? Don't worry, I've got this. If he's got it, what am I worried about? I can still pray for them, sure. But what I'm not going to do is every time I see them, try to do his work. I might be incapable of bringing them back. I don't know if you're paying attention during worship, we had a prayer request, or a praise report, somebody that said, I had given up on a family member, and now they're starting to turn to Jesus. Isn't that incredible? Isn't that incredible? And and I know the situation, because I, I know some of the situations of when people, call in. The the person's family member, they didn't even know that their family member was starting to turn to Jesus. They found out accidentally. They didn't hound them into coming to Jesus. God was doing something outside of their activity. God was doing something as they were praying, as they were fighting the battle in in the spiritual realm. And so there's a tension, because what we don't do is abandon people. While they left the community, they're not following Jesus, I guess they're a sinner now, I don't associate with them, we don't do that. Maintain relationship, continue to pray for them, and maybe pray for the opportunity to say the right thing at the right time. Somebody in the, in the church lent me a book last week, and I finished it this past week, and I said, I'll, uh, you know, I'll bring it back to you Sunday. And, and so they're here, and I, I forgot to bring it, so I'm still sitting at home. Um, it, it's, a, it's a rough story of, of a, a kid who was raised by um, two gay parents who ended up splitting up because the one went one way, the other went the other way. And um, this, this poor kid, not a Christian environment, like, he understood that Christians hate gay people. That was his understanding growing up because that was their experience. And at some point, he became a follower of Jesus, and his parents were not happy about it, at all, and then he became a pastor, which made them less happy about it, and right near the end of the book, in the very last chapter, miraculously, both his parents, both of them, separately, became followers of Jesus. And he goes, it's just impossible that something like that would happen. But it does happen. We can't make it happen. So when it comes to other people, pray for them. Maybe pray for the opportunity, but don't hound them when it comes to your conversations. Love people, love them without strings attached. Especially if they already know where you stand, you don't have to keep reminding them. Okay, so when it comes to yourself, okay, what do I do? What, like, what if I'm at risk? Am I at risk? I don't know. Okay, watch your walk. Your past experience doesn't guarantee your future state. Now, I, I wanna be very careful to say this because you don't guarantee your salvation, God does. I'm not talking about stumbling or sinning. Everybody stumbles, everybody sins. I'm talking about a willful turning from God and sometimes that willful turning is subtle, that's where the danger is. Hebrews 10, 26, 27 says this. This is tough too. Dear friends, if we deliberately continue sinning after we have received knowledge of the truth, there's no longer any sacrifice that will cover these sins. There's only the terrible expectation of God's judgment and the raging fire that will consume his enemies. Ouch! That's rough. And so then you think, well I sinned, I I guess I'm done. No, it's not about that. It's, it's less the past experience that counts. Whether it's your past sin or the past prayer you said. It's less your past experience than today's journey. It's less your status. And we do have a status. It's guaranteed by God. But the question is, where are you? Where's your trajectory? Where are you oriented? I know people, followers of Jesus, and over time, their trajectory changes while I'm pursuing my career. I just... You know, I, I was serving in the church, and I had a bad experience, so I don't do that anymore. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna have, I'm gonna enjoy my vacations, have a good time. I'm gonna work. My focus is on my children now. I know we don't, we, we don't come to church as often anymore because, because we have kids, okay? So what are you teaching your kids? And I'm not saying that it's all about church attendance. My question is, where are you oriented? That's the question, where are you oriented? Confidence can slip into complacency. And God, whatever your experience of God, God has more for you. Whatever your experience is, He's got more for you. So my confidence is in that God does not let His children go lightly. It takes a lot for us to walk away. Some people are willing to do that. They're willing to do a lot to walk away. But God doesn't let us go lightly. The stakes are very high, but He's on your side. If you're you're concerned about your struggle. If you're concerned about your sin, God has you. My concern is when you're not concerned about it anymore. If you're concerned about it, have confidence that God has you. You might be worried if you're not worried about it anymore. And finally, don't settle for less in your relationship with God. A little, God, a little of God and no more can inoculate you against the fullness of the life that God has for you. Pursue Him. Pursue the opportunities. We, we, were, we were doing prayer before the service, and um, Wade didn't see my notes. He didn't have my notes. And, and he, was, he was praying before that, that, as followers of Jesus, we wouldn't just be coming to visit Him on a weekly basis. We would pers- be pursuing Him every day. Right, that's the message. That's my message today that I didn't show him. We don't just visit him on Sundays. We pursue him every day because he's there every day. A little experience of him can inoculate you against the fullness of the life he has for you. But he's calling to us every day. How will you respond? When Jesus is waiting for you in relationship, what is your response to him? That's what matters. So we have four different kinds of people that are listening today in this context. There are those of you who are, you're in. You're in with relationship with Jesus. Great, God has you. You might struggle, you might sin, but God has you. Don't be complacent in your confidence. Stay oriented towards him. Second kind of person is, you're in. But you're not sure. Maybe you said a prayer once. Maybe you're committed to the community. But you still struggle. You still sin. Okay, welcome to the club. We are a community of followers of Jesus who strive to follow him. Who still struggle and sin. That's who we are. Nobody here has fully made it yet. So you can be confident in that. If you are oriented toward Jesus, he has you if you are going through the worst struggles in your life, if you're going through the valley of the shadow of death, is the lovely poetic way it's said in scripture, in the Psalms, he has you. Maybe you haven't had a certain experience yet. God has you. And you may have that experience one day. But God has you. He has you now. Orient yourself towards him. Maybe you're slipped back. Maybe you're slipping back. Simply reorient yourself towards him. That's the third category. You're sort of, sort of slipping back. You know, I used to be passionate about Jesus, and maybe I'm not feeling it. Reorient yourself towards him, regardless of how you feel. It's not determined by feelings. It's not maintained by feelings. It's not guaranteed by feelings. Orient yourself towards Jesus if you feel yourself slipping back. And then the fourth category of person is maybe you were never in at all. Maybe you've, never, maybe you've never made a declaration, a step towards God. And that's who I wanna to talk to you last. If you've never made that step, if maybe you've sort of half made the step, but you're not really sure, well then make the step. It's simple. Make the step. God is calling to you. The, the, the creator of the universe who made you in order to love you is calling you to relationship. And when we make the step towards Him, He runs towards us. And once you make that step, He has you. You'll struggle. You might do something wrong. You might go through real rough times in life. We all do. It's not a guarantee against that. But He has you. You're part of His family. So how do you do that? How do you make that step? It's as simple as A, B, C. The the A is to admit. Admit, I need this. To acknowledge. I am not in your family. Um, I'm not living the life I should. I'm, I'm, I'm living outside your intention. You admit that to God. It's as simple as admitting it. Here he knows. What's important is for us to acknowledge. And then B is to believe. The believe is, a, is a, an expression or it's a, It's a shift in trust. We trust in all kinds of things in our lives. We we lean on our family, we trust in our finances, we have confidence in our jobs, we have confidence in our own abilities. None of those things is 100% trustworthy. The only thing that's completely trustworthy is the offer that Jesus gives to us. And he, he bought that through his death and resurrection. That's what the story of the cross and the resurrection is. He makes available relationship with with God. And to believe is to say, yes, I'm choosing to trust in this. I'm choosing to put my confidence in this. And then C is to commit. That's reorienting your whole life. That's saying, I have gone this way. Now I'm changing and I'm going that way. Yeah, you might struggle. You might sin. You might stumble. But when when you make that commitment, He has you. And we can be confident of that. If this is a decision you're making today for the first time, I'm just going gonna, gonna to say a prayer. I'm going to lead you in that and, and make the words yours. It's, it's Just pray something like this. Father in heaven, thank you for loving me. I admit that I need you. I'm choosing today to trust, to believe in Jesus as my source of life. I'm choosing to trust that your crucifixion and resurrection can bring me into God's family. And I'm committing my life to you today. Thank you, me. Thank you for welcoming me into your family. Thank you that you are holding on to me. In Jesus' name, amen. And if this is a decision you're making today for the first time, you, you need to connect with us. You need to connect with a uh, with a Christ-centered Bible-believing church, and that's what we're here for. We are a community of followers of Jesus that are, are following Jesus together. Imperfectly, but together. And so the best way uh, to connect with us is go to Crosslands.live on a smart device, Crosslands.live, and click the Follow Jesus button. Give us your contact info, and we'll, we'll follow up with you. We'll give you next steps. How do I grow? How do I learn? How do I move forward? How do I learn how to reorient my life and orient myself towards Jesus as I move forward in life. It doesn't matter what you've experienced in life. If you're not orienting yourself towards Jesus, you can inoculate yourself against the fullness of the life that God has for you, and my my dream for Crossan Church is that we would increasingly be focused on Him and have an appetite to have more of Him, because there's always more. That's the beauty of the infinity of God, right? You can't exhaust His resources. You can't exhaust relationship with Him, but that we would have Him at the center. When trials come, you know, sometimes the tendency is to slip back. The tendency is to, to look at the circumstances. The tendency is to is to get sucked into um, other identities, political identities, or, or um things that are unrelated to Jesus. Jesus kind of moved to the side and, and and then all of a sudden we're we're following all these controversies. Jesus is at the center, we orient ourselves towards him. A little of God and no more can inoculate ourselves against the fullness of God, but we are pursuing the fullness of God. Orient yourself towards Jesus and you will find the life from him and in him that results in that blessing. Let me pray for you. Father in heaven, I thank you that you do not let us go easily. Father, I pray for each one here, that you would increase, you would multiply our appetite for you. And we know that we're in a spiritual battle. We know that there's a spiritual enemy that would try to divert us and would try to um, trick us into feeding that appetite with other things that are illegitimate. Father, I pray that you would open our eyes to see the truth that 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 hunger can only be filled by you and give us the will to orient ourselves to you over and over again on a daily basis and to receive our life, to receive our fulfillment from you. If there are barriers in the way, Father, I pray that you would reveal those and help us to partner with you to tear those down. I pray that you would move us away from complacency and comfort That we would be confident, but we wouldn't be complacent, that we wouldn't find our identities in other things. But our primary identity would be you. Increase our hunger for you. In Jesus' name, amen. You've been listening to the Crosslands Church Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes or the Google Play Store so that it comes straight to your device. And to find out more about Crosslands Church, you can visit us at crosslands.ca. Join us next week for another message to help you experience the life with God you've been missing.